Hey guys, real quick message before we start off this episode of the D-Rays Bay Playoff Podcast Series. So, uh, one, my microphone was not working for some reason, did not pick up on the Zoom, so I apologize for the poor audio quality on my end. I know my colleagues Danny and JT sounded crystal clear uh, because their microphones were working, mine was not. So that's something I'll get fixed once the Instant Reaction Podcasts roll around for the World Series. Also, we discussed the pitching matchups in this one. Uh, for some reason, I thought Walker Bueller had been announced as the Game 2 starter. I don't think there had been an announcement made yet. Uh, we now have learned that Walker Bueller is announced for Game 3. So we do spend at least a couple minutes talking about that pitching matchup with Walker Bueller. Just know that he is not starting in Game 2 and instead will be starting in Game 3, most likely against uh, Charlie Morton. We still do not know who will be starting Game 2 for the Dodgers, uh, but just a quick disclaimer before you think that we are completely disregarding the news that Walker Bueller is starting in Game 3. So, now to the podcast. This is the D-Ray Bay Playoff Podcast Series, and now we have reached the World Series preview, Rays and Dodgers, game one on Tuesday night, and this is going to be a fun one. Danny Russell on the pod today, as well as JT Morgan. We're going to kind of break down this series, what we can expect from both teams, but I mean, gentlemen, I mean, the Rays are in the World Series. It feels great just to be able to say that again. What are you guys feeling like going into the World Series? You know how the uh, the hyenas and the Lion King react when you say Mufasa? That That's how I react when you say World Series. I'm like, ooh, say it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, JT? I can't even comprehend it yet. Like, once that first pitch gets thrown, it'll set in. But right now, it's just – it just is, and it's sitting there. Yeah. These off days have been weird because, like, after the ALDS, they had one off day – now we're, we have two off days, too much time to think, uh, but I'm glad we can kind of let those thoughts kind of come out on the podcast tonight. So yet to be announced, will probably be announced um, like right after we release this podcast tomorrow morning, um, but raise roster. So they get a chance to change the roster going into the World Series. And this year, like going into this series, it's a little bit interesting because again, in terms of off days is another new format. So in the ALCS, Best of seven series, no off days. The series does go all seven. Now going into the World Series, it's traditional format. No travel, obviously, but off days after game two and after games five, game five. So the Rays, with those off days implemented, could change the construction of their roster. So They certainly could, yeah. They yeah. could. Uh, the bench is definitely a place where you can play with some things and think about uh, who's going to come in. The Rays are a highly platooned roster anyway. Um, but we also know that Kevin Cash loves his uh, his playing with the pitching matchups, right? And the Dodgers have a lot of right-handed pitching when it comes to the bullpen. So the bench right now is not very lefty by design, you know, left-handed uh, starters for when the right-handed pitchers are on the mound. So it's interesting to think about who could get pulled out, who could get added. Yeah, JT, do you think if like if they're the Rays do add a position player to this roster, who would be the guy they bring along? 
It's got to be Brett Phillips, and I would imagine they do add him and go back down to 13 pitchers like they did for the first two playoff series. The, the trade-off there is a little difficult, though. Who are you going to be – well, so there's an the off days help so much because the off day between games two and three and then three games in a row and then you get another off day, oh, my gosh. That is going to save the Rays uh, – you know, Aaron Sleggers, love you, buddy, but I'm not sure <laughs> your right-handed relief and length is going to be as necessary when you only need to make it two games and then you have an off day. So, yeah, I completely agree. I, I see dropping a pitcher as being a very realistic option. I mean, you, Danny, you mentioned it, though. Like, the, the bench isn't very left-handed or the raised position player makeup isn't very left-handed. And with the Dodgers having so many right-handed relievers, you might want to add a left-handed back. Brett Phillips is a left-handed bat, but if he's on this roster, it's not for his bat. It's for his defense and for his base running. Is there a chance, though, that the other lefty, Nate Lowe, could find his way onto the World Series roster? I find that harder to shoehorn in. Yeah, uh, I, think, I think Brett Phillips wins that debate because KK has been hurt. You know, that that pitch to the hand, is he 100% ready to go? Is he 100% healed? I think the Rays are going to prioritize their defense over, you know, the possibility of Nate Lowe needing to fill in at third base or something weird like that. I don't think the World Series is the time for Kevin Cash to break that out. If, if Nate Lowe were on the team, it would be to pinch hit. That would be the only reason he would be on the team. We've got Brett Phillips, where he can be a defensive replacement or he can be a pinch runner. So, again, that might not mean as much in terms of, like, changing the probability of winning a game uh, as much as, like, a pinch hit. But I think you've got a guy like Brett Phillips who can play, like, multiple roles. Where Nate Lowe, if he's on the roster, it's, it's just a hit. He wouldn't get a start at third over Joey Wendell. He wouldn't get a start at first over G-Man Choi. He's probably not going to DH over a guy like Yoshi Tsutsugo either, uh, if they even use Yoshi as a starter in this series. So, I, yeah, I doubt it for Nate Lowe. It's a decision they could make, but I, I would I would say it's it's pretty unlikely. Um, JT, I'm kind of curious your thoughts. So, so Danny mentioned Sleggers. I, I don't think he's really the only option. If you're going, he's to, definitely you know, not the only option. I think he's he's an outside option if you're looking at just the matchups against a lineup that has a lot of potent left-handed bats that aren't going to be platooned. Mm-hmm. They aren't going to be replaced for guys off the bench in Corey Seager, Max Muncy, and Cody Bellinger. The only real platoon lefty they have is Jock Peterson. Hmm. So you're going to need lefties. The other options would be either Jose Alvarado or Shane McClanahan, but I think they could play bigger roles in facing these left-handed bats that are going to have big opportunities yeah, I think Sugar Shane has a lot of value, as does Alvarado. When you think about maybe an innings coming to a close, you've got two outs, and then one of these lefties comes up. Uh, I could totally see one of them getting called in, and then by rule, do they have to return the next inning no. this year? No, no they don't. They do, right? they have to face the, they still have to face the three matches. But they still have to face the minimum when they return. Yeah. So, but at the at a the half inning, you are allowed to change them out. So I, I could totally see a lot of mixing and matching from cash. The last wrinkle I would throw in is if he wanted a third catcher. And to be Kevin Smith. 
and it would be Kevin Smith. But I just, I he hasn't needed one so far in the playoffs, so I don't think Cash is going to do that. No, and with, like, with yeah, with Zanino having a really good offensive performance in the postseason, you, I think that kind of helps the the case for for not um, bringing a third catcher along. It's not as needed, uh, and you know, you, the only reason Kevin Smith would be on this roster if there was an injury to either Zanino or Perez. So. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I, I think that's probably really the only big decision they have to make. And like JT said, I think it's pretty likely that if it, is, it is a decision that they will make. The off days help a lot, and it's going to feel a lot more back to normal in terms of like in the postseason. Um, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Um, let's talk about the Rays pitching and the Dodgers pitching, and specifically the, the starting pitching. So game one and game two starters have already been announced. Tyler Glass now. Versus Clayton Kershaw in Game One, Blake Snell versus Walker Bueller in Game Two. Now that those that sounds like some two incredible pitching matchups for the World Series. Um, three very young pitchers that are at the top of their games, and Clayton Kershaw, um, for my money, the best pitcher of this generation and a, and a future profile Hall of Famer, um, who's had some struggles in the postseason in the past. But Danny, these these first two pitching matchups, what, what are you thinking? I wasn't sure Walker Buehler was going to go for game two. Um, you know, JT, you wrote up on the site earlier, kind of projecting how the games might fall. And Walker Buehler was kind of the, you know, game three and then maybe again in game seven for you. So I'm interested in your thoughts on Buehler. I feel like he's the hardest matchup in this rotation that the Rays are going to face out of the Dodgers. Um, Tyler Glass now versus Kershaw. Kershaw's kind of banged up. So I do think there's a high probability that um, if Glass now can be his normal self, I think uh, I think the Rays can take that matchup, uh, which is shocking to, <laughs> to even say. And, you know, I prefer to beat players when they're at their best, but if Kershaw's injured and things are not exactly going right for him, I think the, the Snell-Bueller matchup is maybe just a little bit more difficult. And I'm interested to think about and see. I haven't spent enough time thinking about how will Blake Snell pitch the Dodgers? I'm just not very comfortable with the way their hitters hit. So um, I feel like that's a split. Mm. JT thoughts on Walker Bueller and like what he is capable of doing against this Rays lineup. Bueller has been, had shaky command this postseason so far. And that's, something the Rays have taken advantage of all year. So he's going to have to be on his game. But if he's on his game, he throws 100 and will get his strikeouts. Yeah. I mean, he had, if you look at his, he's pitched in four games this postseason. He went two walks, four walks, five walks. And then in this last uh, series against the Braves, went six innings pitch, six shutout innings, six strikeouts, no walks. That was his longest outing. So far of this postseason, and he did it with no walks. So it looks like maybe he's getting a bit of a, a handle on the, on those command issues in terms of just not walking guys. Um, but yeah, when that fastball plays, like it is one of the best in baseball. Uh, and yeah, I, I think Danny, I think you're right. I think that's that's the pitching matchup I'm most scared about. Clayton Kershaw, though, I will say a lot of baseball fans and a lot of people, and rightfully so, if you just look at his postseason numbers, believe that. Clayton Kershaw is just not the same pitcher in the postseason. And although, like, that might be true to an extent, I will say, like, I've been the biggest defender of playoff Kershaw. Um, the way that Dave Roberts uses him in the postseason has been um, pretty detrimental to his numbers. He pitched really well 
um, in the wild card round against the Brewers. Now, I know he's pitching against the Brewers. Not a very good offense. But he went eight innings, struck out 13, walked one. That's Pete Clayton Kershaw right there. Uh, then he goes six innings, gives up three runs, strikes out six, walks none against the Padres. Then in uh, game four of the NLCS, goes five innings, gives up four runs. And I think all four of those runs were in the sixth. Um, when, and then he was eventually pulled. So maybe he shouldn't even have been out there against a lineup like the Braves. Um, but JT, I'll go back to you again. Like playoff Kershaw, are you, are you are you confident that he is better than what his surface level stats show in the postseason? He's not a near five ERA pitcher. He is one of the most dominant, and even his WPA is positive despite a five ERA. Mm. So he's been solid, if but not Clayton Kershaw, best play, uh, pitcher in the planet level that has won three Cy Youngs and has a career ERA under three. Like it's, it's definitely been different, Yeah. but I think a lot of it is pushing him, calling on him on short rest, throwing multiple innings and bullpen rolls and all these other factors that have caused his numbers to be mm-hmm. more inflated than they probably should be. And it's the lesson of David Price, right? you have a postseason narrative until you break it. And then you really just need to break that once. And all of a sudden your world series himbo uh, hero should have been the MVP David price. So uh, I agree. I very much am still afraid of Clayton Kershaw. If Come he's on. Fully healthy. If he's fully healthy, he dealt with back spasms, something he's dealt with for, for a while now. Um, going back to opening night, he was scheduled to start against, I think the giants is who they were playing. And he was scratched with back spasms. Go back to uh, you know last round. Scratch with back spasms. Like that's an issue that if it's bothering him for game one of the World Series, I don't think the Dodgers are going to roll him out there. That's something that's like really hard to pitch through. So I don't know. Who but again, off with. days, off days. Right. Roberts can get those opportunities to pull him a little uh, more standard, I guess, instead of getting left in there till the eighth inning every time. Let's talk about the Rays and how they're going to manage. Start so they've announced game one and game two. Game three would be normal rest for Charlie Morton, so I'm assuming he will get the ball there. Game four is probably the most interesting game. It's like Blake Snell would be a normal rest. Is, is there a chance they go with an opener or Ryan Yarbrough in game four? Or I expect Snell... go ahead, Jay. I expect they'll go with Yarbrough, and the big question will be whether opener or not. Yeah. And I don't know if there's a very uh, big advantage to be gained because of the way their lineup is set. He's going to face probably Corey Seager second, uh, Max Muncy fourth, and Cody Bellinger sixth anyway. And that's probably the same lineup they're going to do if you start Curtis or something. So do you try to throw Curtis out there to get Betts and Turner first time through? I think maybe, yeah, I could totally see an opener situation where Pale Horse goes out there, tries to get three outs, and then if and then a quick hook. I mean, I expect all of the all of these third time to order situations to have the race bullpen step up, Uh, unless you know we're we're turning the corner into maybe the first, second, third outs. Yeah, I guess I could see that happening. Um, I I mean, it's it's bets at the. uh, Yeah, you did it. Snell, Snell should be pitching game two, and then if there's a game six, 
I, and uh, I was also thinking glass now. Yeah, I was way off on my on my math there. So right. it would be no worries. I think so glass now Tuesday and then coming back Sunday for a potential game five. Um uh, I think would make a lot of sense. And yeah, that's why also Fleming has a really good chance to be on this roster as well. Because if any of the starters are having an issue, I think this is gonna be Fleming's moment. Uh, I'm not wishing that on any of the starters, obviously, but if and, and uh, Fleming has also proven he can get big outs. He did it in the regular season and sure did. He actually pitched pretty well against the Astros. He went three innings, gave up two runs, but one of the, one of them was on the Austin Meadows terrible throw from, from right field. Um, probably would not have scored. I mean, he, he's been fine and he's been good. Mm -hmm. So it could also go the other way around too. If cash trusts Yarbrough in a moment and decides to call in Yarbrough in, in game one and then needs him again in game three or something like that. Okay. Fleming gets the, the bulk of the innings in game four and that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah. He's done it in the Yarbrough, past. Yeah. Ryan Yarbrough coming off of like Tyler glass. Now, if you go glass now for five innings, and then Yarbrough for two or three, like that would be incredible. Like in terms of like showing them different arm angles. And there's been a lot of talk about that. I believe it was Mike Petriello who, who wrote about the, the eight different arm angles that the Rays mm -hmm. can throw at you. The so, Rays octopus. Yeah. yeah. So going from glass now, who's like way up top at six foot seven or however tall he is. And then Ryan Yarbrough, who comes from almost like a three quarter angle from the left side. Um, that is, I, in my opinion, like, I don't know if there's enough research to back this up. Um, we could really throw off the Dodger lineup. Um, and then, yeah, you can, you can get your, your big three starters should be able to, if this goes seven games, uh, get, get two starts in. So. It's a remarkably stable Dodger lineup going right, left, right, left, right, left, yeah. right. And then the eighth spot is where they finally platoon a guy. So it's, uh, it's going to be a tall order when it comes to calling in relief pitchers or, or calling in or considering when to pull your starter. Let's look at their rotation, too. So they, obviously they've got Kershaw and Bueller, but they've got some really good pitchers behind them, too. Julio Urias, Tony Gonsolin, and Dustin May is kind of like the wild card. He can be used in a number of different ways. He can be used as a starter. He can be used as a late-inning high-leverage reliever. Uh, and I think really the most interesting and maybe one of the scariest pitchers that the Dodgers might throw out there. Um, in the regular season, he had a 2.57 ERA in 56 innings pitch, 10 starts. He's only thrown seven and two-thirds innings in the playoffs. He's got a two three five ERA. Uh, JT, what are your thoughts on, on Dustin May and how he might be used in the World Series? I really don't know because in, in so far, the Dodgers have used him more in a traditional relief, relief role or as an opener. And his stuff is scary. He throws – his average is right at 100 right now. But at the same time, it doesn't get the whiffs that you expect out of stuff that looks like it does when it comes out of his arm. I, so I, I don't really know. He could absolutely mow down the lineup, and yeah. it wouldn't shock me. But And the same thing said about Bruce Dark Raider all later in the game – he throws a hundred and he had like a 14% strikeout rate this yeah. year. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Between, between Gritterall, Gonsolin and May, you have three, it's different from Bueller. It's a different situation where you have high heat, but it's not as bad of a matchup for the race who have proven the top 10 lineup in terms of hitting the hard stuff uh, in the playoffs. They've been one of the four best teams at hitting hard fastballs. If I have that right. Um, I, I don't think it's that big of a mountain to climb because I think these race hitters are conditioned to facing some hard throwing 
right-handed pitchers. Yeah, I mean, also two old friends in the Dodgers bullpen, Jake McGee and Adam Kalerik, uh, who was traded last year in a trade that I didn't think meant much. But he's pitched. Uh, he's got some big outs for the Dodgers, obviously, last year in their postseason run. Um, he was like the, the guy they brought in to face Juan Soto. And this year, uh, I mean, do you guys think that he's going to be used to, to get out some, some big-time Rays lefties? Sure. I, yeah. <laughs> he's going to have to be called at some point, and it'll yeah. probably have to be against someone like Lau or Meadows that the Rays are going to be reluctant to pinch hit for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that's the great, the best way for Dave Roberts to, to force the hand or maybe attempt to force the hand of Kevin Cash. But, um, yeah, it's I, I, I think this is a really interesting series. I think pitching-wise, it's about as close of a matchup as you can get. I think these are the two best pitching staffs in baseball this season. Offensively, though, the Dodgers have an edge. They are the better lineup. They've got some studs. I know Rays fans, we thought we got rid of Mookie Betts having to face him. Mookie Betts has more plate appearances in his career against the Rays than any other team. So he's not with the Red Sox anymore, but the Rays are now getting him in the World Series with the Dodgers. I mean, is there a plan to try to neutralize Mookie Betts, or is it uh, throw him your best stuff and just hope for the best? He's been not the one of the 10 best players in baseball during the postseason run. I yeah. feel like... I feel like this has not been his best uh, postseason performance. Like Kershaw, that makes me nervous. Um, yeah, I mean, offensively, it's, it ha- he hasn't been great. Um, defensively, he's put up, he's made some a couple of incredible web gems, including last night in Game Seven, robbed another home run. Um, but Mookie Betts is yeah, he's going to hit at the top of the order no matter what. And yeah, race fans get a little get see a little bit more of Mookie Betts and. I think he's got like an 892 career OPS against the Rays, so hoping for a little better there. Um, oh, what else should we talk about? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to not talk about Mookie Betts. <laughs> I mean, do we, oh, I, actually, here's a bit of an interesting storyline. I haven't heard any news on this yesterday. So Cody Bellinger hits the, the, the go-ahead home run that mm-hmm. ends up winning the Dodgers, winning game seven for the Dodgers. Then on the celebration, which we saw one of those – jumping up in the air, locking arms or bumping elbows or shoulder celebrations, which are like pretty popular, but have never seemed super smart to me. And this time it actually hurts Cody Bellinger's shoulder. He said it like popped out. Like, I don't know if that means like a dislocation or if it just like tweaked it. And he was hurt during the game. Um, You can kind of see it was bothering him. I don't know if there's any news on this, but I mean, the question is, I don't think he's going to miss any time. He's going to play through anything that's like a anything minor. But if he does miss time, who fills that spot in the lineup? For, I know he hits a little bit further down this year. He hasn't had the best year at the plate. But he plays center field, so I'm guessing Mookie slides into center. But someone's got to take his spot in the lineup if he were to miss time. And that's a big if. Is Mookie the backup center fielder? I, I you know. My guess would be like Mookie or I, I don't know if Kike can play center. I don't know if. Pollock, well, Pollock could play center. Yeah, this is where our uh, lack of familiarity with the National League it, comes it would, back to hurt us. It would probably be Pollock in center and Peterson in left, and then maybe Pollock. bring in Edwin Rios as the DH. Probably. Pollock has gotten the most played appearances besides Bellinger. Okay. Chris Taylor has also gotten yeah. a few. Yeah, yeah but he's so, been locking down second base, is that? But he can play anywhere. He's almost – I'm not going to compare him to the great Ben Zobris. 
Um, oh, in terms of, I'm not doing that. I'm not. I'm just saying, in terms of being able to play multiple positions and doing so successfully while still producing at the plate, uh, Chris Taylor has, has been that. So, I mean, a, another nod to the Dodgers lineup. Like, if Bellinger does miss time, like they can fill it in. Like the fact that they can bring a guy like Edwin Rios, who's been tearing the cover off the ball, um, into the lineup or in for an at bat, uh, just speaks to how deep they are offensively. And um, I will say though. And uh, you guys can kind of give your, your thoughts on this. The Dodgers have been the best team in baseball this year, but they haven't played a team as good as the Tampa Bay Rays. This is the best team they've played. And same thing goes for the Rays. They've been the best team in the American League. Haven't played a team like the Dodgers yet. So honestly, I have no clue how this series is going to go. With the way the schedules were, were worked this year, these are two very good teams that haven't played each other, haven't seen each other, haven't even played a lot of the same teams. So... It really could go a whole number of ways, but this is definitely the hardest matchup for the Dodgers so far. Yeah, this is old school. This is back when, you know, there was much less interleague play, right? And you really didn't see your opponent until you got to the World Series. I'd prefer it that way. Uh, if I were in charge of baseball, I would basically eliminate I hate interleague it. play just because I think it it's, makes for a far more compelling World Series. I think it's yeah. much more interesting. Yeah. JT, any thoughts on the on the, the on the Dodgers in general and, and how good they've been, not only this season, but the last few years? The Dodgers on are on a historically great run that could end up finding them wind up short of yet another World Series. And that history is, you know, weighing on them. Yeah. Where they, they have the advantage. They've had the advantage in World Series in the past and not finish things off. The Rays are very good. And it is true that the Dodgers haven't faced a team as good as the Rays this year. And the Rays have a better shot than most people think just by looking at things like payroll or name, you know, name value on players and things like that. It is going to be a fight. I hope it goes six or seven really good games. And we, this is the matchup that baseball fans deserve. It is the two best teams in baseball going at it for seven games. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I don't know if you guys want to do predictions. I'll throw mine out there. Uh, oh, let's go ahead. Let's, let's make our predictions. I'm going Rays in seven. I think this series has seven games written all over it. The Dodgers definitely have the edge offensively, but in a seven-game series, I don't think it's enough of an edge. Like The Rays still have a good offensive, offense, too, um, relative to the rest of the league. Uh, I don't think that, that edge that they have is big enough, and the pitching is pretty much even. I'd give the Rays an edge. And the defense, right now in the postseason, I mean, the Rays have been elite in every sense of the word. So I've got Rays in seven. Charlie Morton is going to be on the mound in game seven. Probably going to win World Series MVP. That's what I just said on the last podcast I was a guest on. So I'm sticking with that. Rays in seven, Charlie Morton MVP. JT? Before the season began, I predicted the Rays would beat the Dodgers in seven games. So I'm going to stick with it. I love it. Got to stick with it. What about your MVP? I had Blake Snell stepping up and being the man. He's going to get a lineup that he can, he should be able to handle, even though it is a tough lineup. He'll have to earn it, but he has the stuff to win two games this series. 
and put the Rays on track to bring home the World Series championship. Definitely. Danny? Rays in five. Ooh, Rays in five. I think game two is the is the one that lights the fire. They're going to win game one, okay. drop game two. Sorry, Snow. They're going to find a way in game three, and then it's just no looking back. World Series MVP, Tyler Glass now. Tyler Glass now. Well, I, I do like that because if you get to game four and the Rays have a lead, what they're able to do with their bullpen, with we don't know who the starter is going to be, but we're assuming it's either Yarbrough or, or a, an opener. But Kevin Cash is going to manage it the same way, where he's not going to let any of those pitchers face a Dodgers hitter more than once. And the Dodgers have a damn good bullpen, too, and they can probably do the same thing if Dave Roberts manages it that way. Uh, but I really, if the Rays can get a 2-1 lead or a 3-0 lead after game three, if the Rays have any lead after three games, I, really, I, could, I could really see them locking it up in five. So I like that prediction. A little more bold than mine and JT's, Danny. Um, but that is going to do it for the D-Rays Bay Playoff Podcast Series World Series Preview. Guys, honestly, I was not sure we would get to this point, but we're here. We're going to have instant reaction podcasts after every game, and uh, it's going to be fun. So thank you, Danny. Thank you, JT. Thank you all for listening. If you want each of all of these episodes downloaded directly to your device, make sure to subscribe to our podcast feed, and make sure, as always, to head on over to DRaceBay.com to check out all of the great coverage from this 2020 postseason run. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you after game one. Does Globe Life Field have shadows? <laughs>